How's everybody doing? Good? Good to be back. Good to be back with everybody. So we survived Hurricane Irma. I know that you guys were racked with fear and concern for us. But uh, man, it was an interesting evening. You know, when the storm hit in South Florida, it was a Category 3. And by the time it got to Tampa, west of Tampa, where our church is, uh, man, it was only a Category 1, proving again that we are the most spiritual in the state. Um, it was just, it was an unbelievable experience, but it was, everybody's done really, really well. It's, and, you know, uh, it was a great opportunity. Here's the idea for us in our church and uh, for the chapel. Uh, man, it was just a great opportunity to, to, to be a life-giving church in the community, to let people know that FEMA does a good job, but it's nowhere near what God's people can do when they band together for his, for his purpose. Amen? So it was such a great opportunity and witness to be in the community and just help people. We had a lot of down. My wife and I were out without power for uh, seven days, you know, which in the big scheme of things is not a big deal, but I have a sweating issue. So uh, it, was, uh, it was quite interesting. I kept trying to convince myself that I was on a, Haiti, a trip to Hades, uh, you know, and it was just unbelievable. But everybody's safe and everybody's good. Good to be with you. Spending time with Pastor Deej and Pastor Derek was phenomenal. My wife is here going on 26 years. Come on, guys. So good. So, so good. So we're going to kick off. How about the Red Sox in the playoffs? Right? Nobody cares because I don't like the Red Sox. We, I'm a Tampa Bay Rays fan, okay, and that means we are the fall, we are losers. Did you hear that? That's it. First Baptist needs room. Um, listen, the idea is, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays, we're like the farm club for the American League East, you know what I mean? We just kind of raise people up and then we sell them to everybody, so, which, is, which is awesome. You got a guy named David Price and my heart has not changed. There's anger in my heart still for Bostonians. Listen, we're going to kick off a series here at Connect called You Asked For It. That means people ask questions and they said, look, what's the big, thank you, babe. Uh, for what's, what is the most, what are some of the most important things that we could ask? And people had questions. And of course, I get the privilege of kicking off the series because one of the frequently most asked questions in this survey was what about the end times? Given that, so thank you so much, pastor, for giving me that great subject, <laughs> something very easy. So listen, we covered a lot of ground in the first service. We're not going to cover the whole thing in totality, but I want us to be on the same page together for sure. Uh, I want you to take out your bullets and I want you to write out some notes of some great scriptures. Um, in this time of craziness, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you fall on politically. It doesn't As a believer and follower of Christ, I want us to be on the same page. Because there are a lot of people believe, but not everybody believes and follows. Amen. So the idea is we need to be on the same page with what about the end times? And I want us to do this. I want us to keep our heads up. I want us to keep our heads up. And I want to cover a couple of scriptures about the end times and understanding what is what is really the end times mean. Now, if you don't know this, there was someone who uh, last week predicted that the, the world, the end, the world was going to end last week, right? It was awesome. When I first heard that, I was like, babe, we're going to go to lunch twice today. I mean, it's going to be because I, I almost didn't even prepare a message because I wasn't even supposed to be here. So I don't know. Maybe I missed God, which means you missed God, too. All right. The idea is when we hear about the end times, we have to go back uh, to the pillars of our faith as believers and followers. A pillar of our faith in Christianity is something like the resurrection. Jesus died. 
And on the third day, he rose again, gives us all hope for everything and everyone in our life. Amen. It's a pillar of our faith. Here's another one. The virgin birth. The virgin birth for Christians is a pillar of our faith. What is a pillar also of our faith is that at some point, Jesus is going to return and gather to himself again those who believe and follow, follow him so that we can spend eternity in heaven with our creator. That, that's a pillar of our faith, but we tend to forget it or push it to the side because let's face it, um, it's been sensationalized to a point where it's weird. Everybody wearing the same kind of tennis shoes and drinking Hawaiian punch, right? All meeting at the same place and about 1.30, Jesus is going to come back. So everybody get together. Don't pay your bills. Charge up your charge cards. Do whatever you want. Eat whatever you want. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is going to come back. And so what has happened over time, like a pillar of our faith, like the resurrection, like the virgin birth, this idea that Jesus is coming back again because it's gotten weird in some circles or forgotten about in others, we tend to forget that this life we live, 76 and a half years on earth, if you use sweet and low or splendor, it's probably 72 years, right? <laughs> 76 years. This is a way station, not the destination. This is just a stopping point. And we tend to forget that. Because there's things that we love about this life, not that they're wrong. Some things that, that, that we do, we know separate us from the love of, that, that, that what they do is they create a chasm between us and our creator because we, we act and say things that we weren't created to do and say. But there are just things in life that we love and we tend to forget that, no, this isn't it. This, this isn't it. And what you'll find in scripture is very simple. Here's Jesus talking. Jesus is talking about the end times. And so what you find is this, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun. That's why, believer and follower, when you hear somebody say September 23rd, about two o'clock in the afternoon, the world is going to end, Jesus is coming back. That's how you know it's not God. Because scripture clearly says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun. Not even Jesus knows. However, but only the Father knows. So we don't know the time or the day. And what happens is we get so caught up in what's happening horizontally in our lives that we tend to forget that at one, some point, not in a fearful, oh my goodness, no, not in a fearful way about Jesus returning, but in a glorious, anticipatory, looking forward to Jesus coming back. And we tend to forget. And here's the scripture. What we, what we know is that after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus spent 40 days on earth appearing to certain people and certain groups of people. Talking about the, 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 the kingdom of heaven. Now what you have is Jesus speaking. To the disciples, some disciples, after those 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus already said, listen, the son of man doesn't even know, but the father knows in heaven the time when I'm coming back. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be crazy. We're all not going to wear the same tennis shoes for three weeks and go to a mountain. It doesn't have to be. 
But when you look at the political climate, when you look at the starvation and the hunger, when you look at the weather, when you look at the craziest, can somebody tell me what's going on in North Korea right now? Like, we could talk about this, right? Because we're family, right? What in the world? What does it mean? Already we found uh, about Jesus, a pillar of our faith is Jesus is returning. Returning to gather to himself those who believe and follow, his sons and daughter, his most prized creation. No, no, we're, we're done. Come, come spend eternity with me. It doesn't have to be weird. Jesus talks about it himself. And then we find this scripture. After the 40 days after the resurrection, we find this. After he said this, he, him, he being Jesus, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Of course they're looking intently up into the sky. If that's you and me and all of a sudden Jesus starts to float above into the heaven, I'm going to start looking. Why? Because it makes me nervous. Okay? <laughs> it says, he hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee. We know they're angels. And he looks at the disciples and the angels say, men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? As if to say, guys, why are you so surprised? Why are you surprised at this? Why is this taking you uh, like, like, what? Look at the trouble in North Korea. Look at the weather. Look at the earthquakes in Mexico. Look at the devastation in Puerto Rico. We just had an eclipse, what was it, several months ago, right? Look at all of the things that happen. And believers and followers, we tend to forget. Look around you. Look at what's happening. Same thing happened with the disciples. What, where is he going? What's going on? Why come he's not with us? Where is he going? What's happening? The angels say, why does this surprise you? Why are you? Why? Don't you know this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven? Don't you know? Don't be surprised. Don't be astonished. Don't, definitely don't be scared. But why does this surprise you, believer and follower, men of Galilee? Why does this surprise you about all of the things that are going on in the world? It's, it's a pillar of our faith that Jesus will return someday. Now, if, you're, if you grew up like me, Jesus returning someday, it was like when he returned, it was like, wait till your father gets home. He's mad. But scripture never says that. Scripture just says he's returning with a goal in mind to gather his most prized creation, his sons and daughters, to gather to himself his creation to spend eternity with. So there's no reason to fear, but at the same time, don't be surprised. Why are you surprised at what you see happening in the world? Why is it a big surprise for you? Well, it's not any different. Men of Galilee, what do you... Don't, didn't you know, didn't, didn't, don't you remember how he talked about that he must go and send his spirit so that you could live this life he gave you? Don't you know it was better that him go away, but I'm coming back. But, but I'm coming back. Look at this. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. We just had a, my wife and I were uh, in South Florida during the eclipse, and we spent about a good half hour in the uh, outside nursery section of Home Depot trying to get shots of the eclipse because it hadn't happened, I think, what was it, 100 years, right? It's 100 years. We got no pictures, and we looked like fools for about 30 minutes. <laughs> there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish. They'll be in pain. They'll almost be anguish is also another word for a form of anger. Why is North Korea so mad? There's nothing you can do to make that guy happy. He just does whatever he wants. And we're surprised. Why? 
Why are we surprised, men of Galilee? Look at what the end times say. Now, you don't know the time or day, but, but, but look at what's happening here. Nations, will, they're just going to be in anguish, the starving in pain. How about the people in Puerto Rico right now? Thank you, baby. How about the people in Puerto Rico right now? Are they not in pain? Countries starving or a glass of water or grain or a palm full of rice is a gourmet meal. Well, why are we surprised? Yeah, we tend to forget because it's been sensationalized and, and really taken out of context to make it weird. The second coming, the first time Jesus came, he came as a baby through the virgin birth, pillar of our faith. The second time he's coming as a pillar of our faith too. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be spooky or kooky. But it does have to be real. And, and so what you find in scripture talking about the second coming of Christ is it's not weird. But you'll know, you don't know the day or time, Jesus says, only the Father in heaven. But, but you will know this. There will be signs and sun and moon and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. We had the biggest activity, the largest activity in the Caribbean with hurricanes. We had Harvey first, then we had Irma, then we had Jose, and they had your little Italian contingency, Maria, somewhere out there, right? I mean, there's so much activity right now in the Caribbean and, and, and the Atlantic. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. Why? We're not surprised, are we? I mean, there'll be anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. See, people will be faint, will be faint from terror. I would say, and I think you'd agree with me, that travel has changed since 9-11. The way we travel, what we look at when we travel... What we observe when we travel. I know people that won't travel on certain days of the year or go to certain parts of the world or our country. Of course. Of, of course, because there's terror. There's some, some level of fear now about where we go and how we experience life or travel. We're not surprised. It's scripture. Because people will faint, will faint with terror and apprehensive about what is coming on. And we have all at some point going, we've watched the news Forget about what political side of the fence you fall on. We watch the news, and at some point we have all gone, what is going on in this world? What is happening right now? Apprehensive about what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. What you have here is, uh, wait a second. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. At what time? Listen, you don't know the day or the time, but we do know the season. We don't know the day or the time. We're not supposed to know the day or the time. If we were supposed to know the day and the time, the Bible would tell us so. What we don't have, but we do have the season in which Christ will return. And we are in a season of his returning. The thing is, the idea is we just don't know because what we want is we want to know everything, don't we? Don't we just want to know everything? So the idea is the scripture doesn't want us to know. So scripture wants us to concentrate on serving, loving, and being loved by God Almighty. But we do know the season in which he comes. There'll be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. There'll be, 
And then at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand and lift up your, stand and lift up your heads. When you see these things happening, stand and lift up your heads. This is the middle service and you've had more sleep and I would think more caffeine. Stand up and lift up your heads, believers and followers. Stand up because your redemption draws close. That's the idea of the end times. It's not to cowtail and feel and be fearful. It's to understand absolutely what is happening is crazy. But know this, stand up and lift up your heads. Throw your shoulders back and know that Jesus is coming again. See, what this really means is this. Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to the times around us. Pay attention to what's happening. It's not happenstance. The reason why there will be no solve for North Korea is because North Korea is a spiritual issue just like the Middle East. And you cannot cure spiritual issues with earthly tools or answers. That's the idea. Now, I hate what's happening. Listen. I hate what's happening. But there will be nations. There will be nations that have issues. It doesn't matter. That's why that madman can do and will do whatever he wants. Why? Because it's Bible. Because it's Bible. And what you find is, hey, pay attention. Pay attention, believer and follower. Oh, don't, don't be scared. Be concerned. Don't be fearful. Be prayerful. But, but don't be, ah. You see, what, what happens is this. There are 300 references in the New Testament about the second coming of Christ. There are 216 out of the 260 chapters, chapters mentioned the end times and Christ coming again. So why, why, why are we, men of Galilee, why are, you so, why, why are you so surprised? Why are you so surprised? 23 of the 27 New Testament books mention the second coming of Christ. Because it's a pillar of our faith. It's a pillar of our faith, not fearful and to run like Jesus is coming back with a Louisville Slugger 38 ounce waiting to get you back. He's waiting to take us back. That's the issue. So here you have scripture saying this. But watch yourself. Well, I'm, I'm going I'm to do something. I want to do something a little different. Ready? Watch this. At that time, they will see the Son of Man. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads. If you grew up like me, that scripture was used as a weapon. You better get yourself right. You better, if you're doing something wrong and Jesus comes in the middle of the night, you're going to burn. You're going to burn. What do you mean burn? I prayed all week. I just, I just fell asleep. Don't matter. You'll burn. I mean, that's what will happen is you'll, we use churches, not this church, thank God. But churches or religious leaders or nations will use this scripture to instill fear in the hearts of men. When this scripture was used by early Christians as an encouragement... As an encouragement, when you see the wackiness in the world and you can't figure it out and you're trying to fix spiritual things with earthly tools, just remember, stand up, lift up your heads, throw your shoulders back. Your redemption, your God, your creator, the great forgiver, he's going to take you back. That's the idea. Pay attention. At that time, they will see the Son of Man. Watch. Then what you have is this. You have the scripture saying, uh, but watch yourselves, believers and followers. Be careful during these times. 
Be careful during these times. Lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation, fancy word, and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. All of a sudden what I see in scripture is that day, what day? When Jesus returns. We don't know the day of the time, but we know the season. But that day could snap on you like a trap if you're kind of being weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and cares of this life. If you're into that, this whole day could fall on you like a trap. And that day come upon you suddenly like that, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things. That are going to take place. And to stand before the son of man. Here we go. Here we go. I want to go watch what the scripture says about the end times. But watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation. The definition of dissipation means something gradually leaving. It means something gradually leaving. It also means to live without purpose our purpose as believers and followers we gradually lose our purpose is all of a sudden Luke says hey watch yourself during these times we don't know the time of day but we do know the season during these times watch yourself that because you may gradually lose your purpose and if you gradually lose your purpose, what will happen is you'll be more concerned about all the things that are going on in politics and you'll forget that these are signs that the glorious Jesus is coming back again. So be careful. How can you be weighed down with something that is leaving you? So usually if I'm carrying something and it's weighing me down, whether it's emotional or physical, and somebody takes it from me, my yoke is easy. The burden is light. See, see, it's all together. See, but you hear, Luke says, you're losing something that's weighing you down. It's because what we're losing is our purpose. Our purpose as believers. Luke says, in the end times, be careful. You're going to forget. It's gradually going to leave you your purpose to worship, to worship him and have a personal relationship. You're, you're gradually going to lose your purpose in serving and loving one another like God loves you. You're gradually going to lose that one day. A pillar to our faith is that Jesus is coming back and you're going to just get so caught up in the politics and the tweets and the Facebook posts and the Instagram messages. You're going to get so caught up in all. Listen, I'll tell you, part of what happens with me is, um, man, I love certain things about life. That, that, that first cup of coffee in the morning, oh, glorious God, hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, it's just so good. I mean, I get up early. I get up early, but my wonderful, glowing Jesus personality doesn't kick in until about 10. So I, got, I get up really early. I sit in a cup of coffee. I read the, I got my Bible. I got my prayer list. I love reading the paper in the morning and just slowly acclimate into my day. Ah, oh, the first cup is so good. Listen, I love, I'm obsessed. I love it. I love baseball. I love the, the psychological, the, 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 everything about baseball. It's the stats, the psychology behind uh, I got to, when I come and, and, and with you guys, man, it's such a, it's always such a, like, it's just a breath of fresh air to come to connect. It's just so good. I love sitting with your pastor. We were one night out with Pastor Deej and his wife, and then last night, 
uh, Pastor D uh, Derek and I, just with my wife, Trey, oh, just sitting and talking, of course, eating and eating and <laughs> hours, hours. No, I'm not kidding, hours. At least I ate for hours. <laughs> he, he had dumbbells in the, in the dark. He was just <laughs> like, yeah, you do that. Pass me some more shoes. Um, I mean, it was, I just love friends and family and eating. I just, just that whole, ah. Oh, and what happens is, I mean, Jesus said those things aren't necessarily wrong. There are some wrong things, but those things aren't wrong. And I want you to love them. I wired you. I created you to love them. You just can't love those more than me. That, that's what it is. And so what happens is we get attached to this, this world because there are great things about this world. But none of them compare to being in the presence of God Almighty for eternity. See, that's the idea. Nothing compares, whether it's the first cup of coffee or sitting with friends and family and eating and talking and catching up. Nothing compares. And so what Luke says, nothing compares to being in eternity with, in the presence of God. So be careful you don't gradually lose your way because you're going to get weighed down by the craziness of the world because it's going to happen. And what you find in Scripture all of a sudden, and he says this. Ready? I want you to write it down in your notes. My hope in Christ disappears because of my surroundings. I'm just too caught up in my surroundings. I'm too caught up in my surroundings, and I'm losing the hope. It should be a hope to believers and followers that Jesus is returning. What we have in Scripture, he goes further. He says this. Paul, speaking to the church at Thessalonica, he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, what? Encourage one another. Oh, you don't use it as a weapon for somebody to get right with God. Only love was supposed to do that. We don't use the second coming of Christ or believing that the second coming of Christ is more of a this, ah, oh, he's coming. Let me hide behind the couch as if Jesus would come back and go, where is Mark? Where is he? Is he behind the couch? Paul, check behind the couch. No, it was used, this, the idea, pillar of our faith, you don't know the time or day. Pillar of our faith, you don't know the time or day, but you do know the season. It was used as a tool to encourage one another about making it through the craziness of the world. But what you have is this. He goes further, Luke says, be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. You're going to miss things and it's going to mess your life up. If you gradually lose the hope and drunkenness. And when we see that in Western culture, what we'll do is we'll normally think like alcohol. And you can, sure. But in the Hebrew mind, drunken, drunkenness was to be, listen, molded, shaped, and changed by something external. Molded and shaped and changed by something that you intake. Drunkenness meant that you had something and you ate it. You absorbed it and it didn't give you a clear mind. It made you kind of drunk. And what happens here is Luke is saying, look, in the end times, you're going to get messed up if you slowly, if your hope slowly disappears and you're not sober minded about what's happening. It is horrible. Terrorism, bigotry, racism. It is horrible. Earthquakes in Mexico and that Puerto Rico is basically devastated. Horrible about what's happening. 
in Texas through Hurricane Harvey. Irma. Horrible. But here's the deal. Luke says this. I'll become weighed down when I lose my eternal perspective. I'll become weighed down. I hate it and I need to remain prayerful. But the idea is I will absolutely be weighed down if I lose my eternal perspective. That Jesus is coming back. And he talked about it a lot in the New Testament and was foretold in the Old Testament. Don't be scared. Don't run. Stand up. Lift up your heads. Throw back your shoulders. Your redemption draws nigh. See, that's the idea of the end times. It's a pillar of our faith. Luke goes on to say this. Don't be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. I become weighed down when I lose my eternal perspective. But cares of this life, the things, just the things in our life, and there is no easy way to say this, and I'm going to say it, and if you get mad, the great thing is I leave tomorrow, Pastor Derek will be here. (laughs) The cares of this life. I will lose. I'll become weighed down in times like this. I don't know the day or time he's coming back. I know he's coming back. All I'm supposed to know is the season. We are in the season. But I'll be weighed down if I lose. My hope in Christ slowly disappears. I'll be weighed down when I'm not sober-minded about what's happening around me. When I'm, uh, when I'm swayed by the amount of news that I take in, I don't care whether you watch Fox or CNN. I, I, I swayed, I'm, I'm, not really, I'm not really cognizant, I'm not really aware of, wow, yeah, this was foretold years and years ago. Yeah, and then he says, the cares of this life. It's very simple. What he means is, I'll become weighed down when I don't live outside myself. When I don't live outside myself. When all I can, listen, whatever North Korea does, that's fine. If they shoot a rocket over here, as long as it hits New York and not Boston, I'm good. <laughs> that's, that, that's not the way we're supposed to live. For the believer and follower of Christ, my life is this dot compared to eternity. But the concentral circle, circles are supposed to work its way outward. Outward. Constantly using what God gives us to move his kingdom forward. It doesn't mean we don't love the coffee and the good meal with friends and family. It doesn't mean that we don't love a sport. It doesn't mean, no, but what it means is we can never lose sight of our purpose gradually disappearing so that whatever I have, I don't care whether it's a car, a house, my checkbook, or a talent or a gift he gave me, always using it in some way, shape, or form to move God's kingdom forward. That's it. That's it. And so all of a sudden what you have here is is the cares of this life. Be careful, believer and follower. Be careful because it's going to start to weigh you down if all you care about is you. You asked for it. You wanted this subject, right? Don't matter to me. I'll leave tomorrow. Okay, watch. It's just living outside myself. It's just living outside myself. Yeah, I think about myself. Sure. I'm I'm a provider. I'm a dad. My son's getting married in about 43 days. My daughter's about to get married. Yeah, I got, I got responsibilities, absolutely. But it ain't all about me, Kemp. It'll be all about me. It was never all just about Jesus. He, he thought about us. He thought about us. He thinks about us when we're not even thinking about him. So, so what you have all of a sudden is Luke ends it with this. Ooh, he said, yeah, the end of all things is near. 
The end of all things are near, and I want to give you some things. What do I do in the meantime? What do I do in the meantime? I don't know the day or time. We're not supposed to, but we do know the season. What do I do as a believer and follower? I don't have it all together, and I lean into God's grace and power. Absolutely. But what do I do in the meantime? <laughs> That's why it's the word so powerful about the end times. Luke says it. Hey, listen, the end times, all things are near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Interesting. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use what is what I love. This is Luke talking about the ends of times. Lock yourself in a closet and memorize the book of Luke right now. Otherwise, you will miss God and you will burn. <laughs> you know, it's the word. No, no. It's actually, you be sober-minded and you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Luke's talking about the end of everything. What do you do in the meantime? It's all outward. It's all outward. It's, it's all outward. Then he says this. Ready? Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. In the meantime, here we go, I want you to write this down. In the meantime, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Be clear-minded about what's happening right now. Believer and follower, Christian, be clear-minded about what's happening right now around us. We don't know the day or the time, but we do know the season. And it's the season of the Lord coming. Not in a fearful way like, oh my gosh, what is happening? But no, stand up, lift up your heads, throw your shoulders back. Your redemption draws nigh. Because Jesus said, I'm going to return and I'm going to gather my creation to me again for eternity. He says, be clear-minded. Luke says, just, just be clear-minded about it. Don't get caught up in it. Don't ingest it to the point where it changes you. Only the Holy Spirit is supposed to do that. But, but be clear-minded about what's happening, about what's happening around us. Ready? Second thing. In the meantime, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Focus on people. I will tell you the only thing that lasts forever are people. That's it. Not our jobs, not what we've accumulated, not what we do. People. He's just at the, this is the end time narrative from Luke. He's talking about the end times. He said, no, no, this is what you need to, above all, love each other deeply. Lo lo love each other deeply. Oh, so that, because lo love, it's love that covers them all. Yeah, that's the way he is. I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm just saying, you know what? Hmm, maybe I need to extend grace where it's not earned and mercy where it's not. Right. Maybe I just need to concentrate on people. Focus on people. When Connect Community Church supports missionaries around the world that don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, Jesus, Jesus who? That's not them. That's us. That's not them. When, when we do things as a church to create an atmosphere, listen, to create an atmosphere for someone to have an excellent, God-loving, God-belonging experience in his house, it's not about handing out a bulletin or the instruments or the keyboards or the lights. What it's about is people. And that's what you have. Not that I said it. It's just what Luke said. 
in the end times, just, just concentrate and focus on people. I want to do something. i got a second. You guys will be here for a long time. Remember the first one? Be clear-minded. Listen, I want to get this. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Because I know we're about to kick off a boot camp, prayer boot camp. How you can tell as a believer and follower, one of the ways, when we talk about Jesus coming back, and you go, man, I can't wrap my head around that. Man, I don't understand. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave baseball. I love baseball. I don't want to leave. I can't even imagine not having dinner with friends. I can't imagine. Am I going to drink coffee in heaven? I mean, I'm a, I mean, what is it? I can point back to my own prayer life. Because what prayer does is disconnects me from the natural and attaches me to the supernatural. What prayer does, that's why he says, be alert and of sober mind so you know what's going on. No, be alert and sober minded so that you may pray. Prayer is a mechanism that disconnects me from this world and connects me to the world where I'm going to spend eternity. That's why. And that's why. Don't let... Don't let the enemy steal from you an opportunity to learn how to pray. That's why the boot camp is so important. Don't let him steal an opportunity because apparently it's a tool we have to connect. Oh, look at what's happening around. Ooh, it's getting bad. It's getting, Lord, we need your help. Lord, I know you're coming again. Lord, create in me. What? All right. All right. Third thing. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You know what? What do I do in the meantime? I make a difference. I make a difference. It's because I live outside myself. I make a difference. Not because we said it. Not because I'm a pastor. No, it's because it's the word of God. And for the believer and follower of Christ, the word of God is God's voice to us today. The idea is, no, I'm just going to make a difference. Because it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards, a steward takes care of something that's not his. So what happens is, you have as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's the dream team. It's people coming together for a sole purpose. To use the gifts God's given us to move his kingdom forward. And Luke says, that's the stuff you do in the end times. That's the stuff you do in the end times. You focus on people. Be clear-minded about what's happening. Don't get caught up in it. Make sure you pray so you don't get so caught up in it. Be clear-minded. Uh, be, be sober. Focus on people and make a difference. And you'll know you keep your head up. You keep your head up, believer and follower of Christ. You keep it up. You don't run behind the couch and be fearful that Jesus is coming back. But you rejoice. You look anticipatory. You look forward to Jesus coming back where he says, I'm going to gather everybody. Everybody who believes and follows, I'm going to gather together again to spend eternity with me. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we can come into your house freely and hear your voice through your word. Church, I, I don't want, whether it's people watching online or in his house this morning, to be fearful about Christ's coming because everyone's going to experience it. And I want to make sure that beyond a shadow of a doubt, like you hear my voice, that you know no, we're not perfect, but we lean into his grace and strength. But we don't know the day and time, but we know the season. If and he was to come back whenever.
not to put guilt and shame on you, but just so you know, so you could see it as an encouragement to serving God. I want to make sure that Christ is Lord of your life. It's very simple. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's personal. Right in your seat, not going to embarrass anybody. It's a simple prayer that will change your life forever. And I want everybody in the worship, uh, worship house, I want everybody in the worship center to repeat it so no one feels left out. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me for living away and saying things that you did not intend for me to do or say. Today I ask for your forgiveness. Today I receive your mercy and grace. And today I make you Lord of my life. Following you more today than ever before. Jesus, I know you love me. And I love you. In Jesus' name. Lord, this week, with everyone, Lord, in your house and watching online, wherever we go, you protect us and watch over us. Lord, teach us how to love and treat people the way you love us, through the eyes of your son's sacrifice. And may you make yourself more known to us, Lord, this week than ever before. May we walk confidently, like your word says, where we lift up our head, we lift up our eyes, and we throw back our shoulders. And we say when we look around, our redemption is getting closer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys.